I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, March 20, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Today was Fed Day. We had the markets whip around a little bit, but we expected that. We've been discussing for the last couple of days leading up to Wednesday afternoon, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, the markets tend not to get very far until after the Fed announcement. So the Fed had their announcement, the markets went up, the markets went back down, and they finished negative for the day. And that's pretty much all we really need to know about Wednesday's activity. What we're going to do is we're going to take what happened today, the closing prices, what the chart looks like, and all the other things that we normally look at, including the other markets as leading or lagging indicators. We're going to look at everything. We're going to package it up, and we're going to do the same thing we do every single day. We're going to give the best opportunity for the likely scenario going forward that we can. That's the objective Before we get going, let me first thank everybody for making posts and comments under the video each and every night. I love the participation, and you know I especially love the banter back and forth. In addition, if it's worthy, hit the thumbs up button on the video, and then go ahead and share the video with anybody that you think would benefit from this information. Alright, back to business. I have to use this word because the word is appropriate. Today was Kabuki Theater. So the Fed gave their discussion or press conference after the announcement, and what they basically said was, or what Jerome Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve, basically said was that they're downgrading the economy, downgrading the prospects on the employment front, meaning the Fed believes we're as close to or near close to full employment as they can really envision, and they believe that they control or can impact employment, right? They always say the Fed's objective is maintaining a certain level of inflation, interest rate policy, and full employment. Well, I have news for them, and I think they really know this deep down. They can't impact employment one way or the other. They like to say it, and unassuming people believe whatever they say, and that's the way it works. In fact, speaking of believe whatever they say, go ahead and do an exercise, and nobody will do this, but I've done this. Go back and look at what the Fed's proposals were, what their forecasts were at any point in time. Go pick out a dozen, go pick out 15 or 20, and then go see what happened after they made the forecasts. And what you'll find is they're wrong about 80% of the time. But nobody does that exercise. Therefore, everybody just takes in what they say and believes the Fed. I shouldn't say everybody. Not everybody believes the Fed, but way too many people think the Fed actually does something. My take is The interest rate market, just like the stock market and any other market, would be just fine without the Fed poking their nose around. The market will determine where prices should be. It always works like that. It's called supply and demand. That's never going to change. It never has changed. And unless the world is now flat, it's not going to change anytime soon. Back to the chart for a second. What actually happened today? Nothing happened in terms of the market being down today. That's not a big deal. We were down yesterday. We were down today. It's not a big deal. It was a gap in crap yesterday. That's the way I really should say it. But in a sense, today we were just 
down. But what happened? We came in to test what? 280.40. How amazing is that? Let's go down to a 10-minute intraday chart and take a look at what actually happened. Can anybody dispute that 280.40 is important to the market? Maybe it's 280.37. Maybe it's 280.48. Whatever it is, it's somewhere in this neighborhood is important to this market. It's indisputable. You can't argue the market believes that that price level is important. We're going to go through the same exercise because this is the way we drill it into each other's heads. We have an up move, and until and unless we break below and close daily and certainly weekly below 280.40, there's nothing wrong with this. This essentially is a flag pattern that will normally break to the upside. 120-minute chart, same routine. We came down to retest 280.40. We bounced right off that level, and that was a good bounce off that level. The market didn't stay down there for very long. It was only down there really for a minute. That's the type of market behavior that displays bullish behavior when a support level is tested and the market runs right away from that test or that support level. Think about what we've been talking on the upside. On the top side, the northern part of the chart, we've been running up against resistance, but we've yet to have a real, real heavy reaction in the downward direction off of a resistance level. We had one in the last month and a half or so. You can see it on the daily chart. Here's a reaction off a of resistance, but we came right back up to it, so we know the market's still bullish. Here was a reaction. It was a very small reaction to whatever was up here. Here's a reaction, a very small reaction. When you have big reactions, that's the market telling you that that price level was really important and you need to pay attention to it. When you have small reactions, it's unlikely that was the final destination. That's the way I look at it. Take it for what it's worth. That's what makes a market. Everybody can choose to look at any piece of information on the chart, off the chart, any way that they want to. That's what makes a market. Two people can look at the same chart, come out with two entirely different conclusions. Happens every day. I get fought by the bears every single day. They want to tell me exactly why the market's going to collapse tomorrow every single day. They'll be right, and then they'll come back and tell me, ha ha, you see, I told you so, but what they don't realize is they were wrong 87 times first. You can lose a lot of money being wrong a lot of times first. We try not to do that. We try to be smart about what we're doing. Our objective is to remove as much of the guesswork out of this business as we can, and that's what we do in the Lazy E-Mini Trader course. We give traders a foundation of what to build on so that they can build a successful trading career going forward. We're learning how to treat it like a business. We review the market every single night. And if you have the content in the course and you watch these videos each and every night, you end up being a successful trader like the countless traders that send me messages every single day. I love it. Don't ever stop doing that. Yesterday, I said the bogey was Monday's close. So we're below Monday's close. What's the next bogey? We already hit the next bogey today, 280.40. That's always a bogey until it's not. So again, as long as we stay above 280.40, closing daily, closing hourly, certainly closing weekly, the market is still bullish and still 
we can still go into the hot zone or the red zone, whatever we want to call it, 287 to 290. If that happens within the next couple of weeks, I think it's a stone cold short. Nothing has changed from that perspective. All decisions would be made in real time. I'm just continuing to tell you my thought process, what I see on the charts, what's inside my head. So put a hard hat on because it is dangerous in there. One thing I want to make mention of, and take this for what it's worth, it's not really as it appears. It appears like it's tinfoil hat stuff, but it's really not. So if you date back to 2018, we discussed before it took place the fact that the winter solstice was taking place, and markets tend to have a turning point somewhere in and around that general time zone. Doesn't have to happen, doesn't always happen, just something of note, something that we want to have in the back of our mind. Well, we have another one of those events today. We have the spring equinox, also known as the vernal equinox, that occurs tonight. It is one of the reasons, but not the only reason, why I'm looking for a turn in this time zone within the next couple to three weeks. I'm going to be looking for either signs and a signal of a trend change, or I'm really going to be looking for up in the hot zone, 287 to 290. And if we see a sign or a signal of a trend change up there, I'm all over it. Could the market just fall out of bed starting tomorrow? Of course it can. Anything is possible. What's the bogey? How do we know that the upside would, at least from a short-term or even intermediate-term perspective, at least for the near-term, how do we know that the upside is off the table? Nothing changes. We're still going to use 280.40. Even though it's a weekly number, we're still going to use it on a daily basis to tell us the health of the market day by day by day. As long as we're above this, closing daily above 280.40, all is fine. Take note, the S&P 500 or the spiders was down about one half of 1%. The IWM, little bit of a different story. This is bearish. We were down 1.3%, couple of bucks in the IWM, we're getting turned away from the overhead resistance. We have to take note of this. Doesn't mean the market can't turn around. I'll point something out in a moment. But you have to take note, this is not bullish. This is bearish today. Let me flip that on its head just for a moment. What we just discussed was the first thing that jumped out in the chart to me was that we've been rejected at the 20-period moving average and the breakdown candle high. The IWM is now coming down, and it seems to be, and has been, leading the markets. It's my favorite market-leading indicator, and what's it doing? It's leading the market. But we need to know what the last line of defense is for the IWM. We need to know if the IWM is really going to come under a significant amount of severe selling pressure. We need to know what the bogey is. And simply enough, the bogey really is right down here. The bogey is breaking below and closing below that low. However, there's actually a better bogey. Maybe it's not better, but it's certainly closer to price. And here it is. Let me just move the chart over and you'll see we have a breakup candle and the low is 151.90. We came close to that. We made a low of 152.41 today, not quite to the low of the breakup candle. But what we do know is as long as the IWM closes daily above the low of the breakup candle, that's a positive sign and the market can still 
can still push higher as long as we don't close below the low of that breakup candle. That's fine. The next line of defense would be the low we just pointed out, which is the low from the 8th of March. That comes in at 150.61. And so here's what I'll say. On a short-term basis, this could be bearish. We have a down move, a bearish wedge pattern playing out like this. But maybe that's all they do. Maybe they come down a little more, make a double bottom, and take off again to the upside. Where do I get that from? Well, if I take it from the long view, isn't this still just a pullback in an uptrend? It seems like I can make a couple of different cases. I can make both cases. And that's why when you can make both cases, you're better off not really doing anything because you don't really know. But why can't that be the case? Why can't that be a bull flag pattern? Well, I'll tell you what, it can be. And that's why we're not just ready to get extremely bearish just yet. Trade below, close below some of the bogeys we just discussed in the IWM, and that begins to come into question, of course. However, for now, it's not ready to just unravel yet. And here's the thing that you learn over a long period of time in this career, and hopefully even some of the younger folks or folks that are newer into this career, newer into trading, you can learn it now and not have to take a long time to learn it. I say this all the time, but I'm going to add a twist. The trend is your friend until the very end, but the twist is you ride the trend until it tells you it's over. That's the way traders make money. Whether the trend is going down or the trend is going up, if the trend is going up, you continue to buy pullbacks until the market tells you you're wrong. When the trend is going down, you continue to sell rips until the trend changes and the market tells you you're wrong that's the way you make money and that's the way you don't have to guess when a particular trend is over the market will tell you when it's over what's doing over in the transportation department well this is very interesting we just discussed in the iwm the low of the breakup candle what do we have here a test of the low of the breakup candle funny how that works happened to also test the 100 period moving average same exact story that we just discussed in the IWM. We've been discussing the same story or at least similar stories in these two markets because the charts are very similar. They're my two favorite market leading indicators. The two charts look very similar. It's very obvious what seems to be developing over the next several weeks to months, but we have to wait for the market to really give us confirmation. It never does it that easy. It's going to have fits and starts. Trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew shows up. So don't ever lose sight of the fact that the trend is your friend until the very end. And the trend in these markets is still pointed in the northern direction from a shorter term basis. It is what it is. You can dispute it. You can argue it. You can have your RSIs, your MACDs, all the stuff you want. You can have anything you want. This is what I see on the charts. You're entitled to see whatever you like. Let's take a look at the VIX tonight. We tested the 20 period moving average today. Is that really important? Nah, not so much. I can make a case that yesterday was somewhat of a reversal candle, making a low, finishing near the highs. So we could see higher prices in the VIX. That would spell lower prices for the stock market. So looking at each chart independent of one another, and then what we do is, if there's a puzzle piece that makes sense, 
we put it on the table, and as we begin to fill in the pieces of the puzzle, the picture begins to emerge, and that's how we do what we do. You want to put your own complete puzzle pieces? You want to put your own complete pictures together? The instructions are found in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. When we looked at the VIX the other day, we said when the VIX starts to get below 12, it begins to get interesting from a long perspective. Well, we didn't quite get to 12. I'm looking for lower than 12, so we never got to what I would consider a target on the VIX. However, we are where we are, and price is the absolute arbiter. Price is never wrong. Analysts, traders, people are wrong. Or they're just not right yet. What about out in Silicon Valley? What's going on with the tech sector? What's going on with the queues? Is this bullish? Is it bearish? Well, look at what we have. We have a market that finished positive. Most everything else across the board finished in red, but here we have green. We actually finished making an attempt to close above yesterday's high. They couldn't do it, but they tried. Let me show you. In order to do that, we have to take a look and see what yesterday's high was. 180 on the button. Now we go over to a 10-minute chart and you can see what happened. In the second to last candle of the day, they made a run. They tried it. The high was 180.24. They couldn't do it. They fell back down, closed below the high from yesterday, but above yesterday's closing price. To me, that's still bullish. Anything bearish on this chart whatsoever? Is this not in an uptrend? Yes, it is. It is bullish. There's no two ways about it. Doesn't mean the market can't come down toward the 20-period moving average, but the market is bullish. That's balls and strikes. We're just calling balls and strikes. Doesn't matter what you think it should be. Doesn't matter what I think it should be. What matters is this market continues to grind higher. Here's a picture of Amazon. If the market was going to collapse, I'm just saying for argument's sake, wouldn't they be selling Amazon? Wouldn't they be selling Apple? They were selling Facebook, but today they bought Facebook. Here's Goldman Sachs. I don't know why I'm bringing up Goldman Sachs. It just happened to be next on my list. Here's Netflix. Netflix is tremendous run to the upside today. 15 bucks. Is that bullish or bearish? It's rhetorical. How about Google? Google's breaking out to the upside. Is this the beginning of the last gasp? Is this the beginning of the blow-off top? That's certainly possible. I think that is a distinct possibility. Just for visual purposes, I just wanted to bring up a few stocks for now. Keep that concept in the back of your mind. We're going to come back to this concept in a moment, but let's move on and talk about the financial sector, the XLF, down at the financial district. So the financials got crushed today, down over 2% in the XLF. This is in direct correlation to A, the Fed, B, interest rates. We talked about it last night, ironically enough. We talked about the impact of interest rates and bond prices, but we didn't talk about how that relates to the financials. We've discussed it many, many times. Might as well do it again because it's having an impact. So as rates go lower, bond prices rise, rates go lower. So the borrowing costs for you and I is lower. That's a good thing. Borrowing costs for companies across the board, if rates go lower, that's a good thing. That's good for the economy on the surface. Lower rates cheap money. That's good. I'm not saying it's healthy. I just said it's good. It's good in theory, but there's always a kicker. So there's a caveat. It's not good for everybody. So take a bank, for example, whether you're talking about the local bank down the corner or Bank of America, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, it doesn't matter. They're all the same. 
when rates go down, they make less money because they're in two businesses. They're in the fee business and they're in the lending business. They make more fees than lending, but that's a whole nother story. But since they're interest rate sensitive, directly being a bank, they make less money when rates go down. So therefore, the banking sector goes down today. Hence, the XLF goes down. Similar case that we discussed before. Here's your bogey. As long as we stay above that price level, daily closes, then it's okay. Then you can make this case that it's essentially a flag pattern that will break to the upside. Now it's sloppy and it's not textbook if there is a textbook, but the point is it's not bearish just yet. How about the SMH, which is the proxy for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index? We're still doing the same thing we've been doing for the last couple of days. We filled a gap and we're hanging around. We really haven't had much of a reaction away from this gap. This is exactly what we discussed before. We discussed it on the support side. We've discussed it on the resistance side. It's the same conversation. We've had a, I'll use the word, tepid reaction from this gap. For now, until proven otherwise, I have to look at that as bullish behavior. Here's a chart of crude oil. Crude oil is still on the rise. Where did we say crude was going? 59.60. Where's crude? 59.60. We haven't looked at it in a couple of days, but it was just going to be at 59.60. Let me ask you this. Just from a common sense perspective, when you look at the chart of crude oil and you say it's positive, it's bullish, it's in an uptrend, is this a sign that there could be negative discussions about an economy? No, if there was going to be contraction discussions on an economic front, you would see crude oil selling off, not rising. I'm not saying the market can't go down and everything has to be tied to energy or crude oil and the economy. That's not what I'm saying. It's just another puzzle piece. It's small, but it's a puzzle piece saying if crude oil is healthy, energy stocks are likely healthy. If energy stocks are healthy, it's giving a lift to at least part of the S&P, part of the Dow. And similar to financials, energy is a big component of the S&P. We have to watch the financials very closely because we know if the financials are going to melt away, they're likely going to take the market down with it. But it's unlikely if the financials don't melt away, then it's unlikely the market melts away. One of the two things we'll give, we're watching it very closely. So you put these puzzle pieces all on the table. You have the tech sector. There's certain stocks breaking out. That's not telling you institutional distribution is taking place, at least in those stocks. And those are the widest held. So if the institutions aren't selling at least part of their widest holdings, well, then why would anybody want to look at that as a negative? So we have the tech sector acting well. That's on the bullish side of the ledger. We have the financials acting poorly. We know part of the reason why. But again, price is the absolute arbiter. It has to be on the bearish side of the ledger. Energy acting well. Bullish side of the ledger. S&P. Bullish side of the ledger. Dow. Bullish side of the ledger. Transports. Bearish side of the ledger. However, tested an important price today. And what happened? reacted up and away from that price so while the chart looks bearish that was bullish activity so i'm watching that very closely there's still a chance that they don't have to fall apart but remember what we've been discussing in the transports even if they take off to the upside and the s p the dow the nasdaq continue taking off to the upside we could end up ending over here in the transports 
that would be ominous. If we sold off from there, that would be very negative. So it all depends on what happens. Any scenario I'm game for, we can trade any scenario. We just have to be able to identify what scenario we're in, and we will be able to do that. And on that note, I'm going to give it a wrap. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.